it's Dr. Kieran here. Welcome to Bridging Medical Paradigms. In the vast and varied landscape of medicine, from the traditional to the modern, the complementary to the conventional, all paired with shifts in societal, technological and political trends, it is a tricky and tiring affair to keep on top of. My aim is to leave you feeling empowered in your engagement with healthcare, to mitigate unnecessary experiences and aim for more positive outcomes. Today, I wanted to do something a bit different and share with you why I decided to create this podcast. For my undergraduate degree, I did a five-year medical programme integrating traditional Chinese medicine, or TCM, and conventional medicine. It was based at Middlesex University here in the UK and Beijing University of Chinese Medicine in China and involved internships in private and public healthcare in the UK and in China. It was modelled on the medical school curriculum in China, where both TCM and conventional medicine form the primary healthcare system that China offers to its population. It was fascinating how integrated it was. For example, at the Xiuan Hospital in China, cancer patients would be receiving chemotherapy in conjunction with acupuncture as a means to minimise the side effects of chemotherapy and boost the patient's immune system. There would be patients with intravenous herbal drips and even having music therapy. I really remember lines of patients sitting at the ends of their beds with headphones on, eyes closed and gentle smiles on their faces. In addition to specialist departments of conventional medicine, such as cardiology, there were also TCM specialist departments like Chinese herbal medicine, Twina, or Chinese medical massage, and Qigong, or Chinese medical exercise. After graduation, I undertook apprenticeships from experts in the field and trained further alongside building my practice in private and public healthcare in the UK. Through my clinical experience, as I was often having to go the extra mile for my patients to ensure that they had the best outcome, it was quickly becoming apparent that there were issues with public health literacy. This stemmed from issues within the healthcare system, as well as patients' ability to understand and utilise information to make decisions about their own health and care. I bet you can think of issues that you may have heard of or have experienced with the healthcare system that you engage with, wherever you are in the world. How do you deal with it? How do you make your decisions? How does it impact you and your loved ones? Looking at patients or our own ability to make decisions about healthcare, this has been categorised into three levels. Number one is functional health literacy. This relates to the level of our reading and numeracy skills in order to read, understand and act upon health information. For example, understanding instructions to calculate a child's paracetamol or pain relief dose. A study in UK, I think it's 2015, has been referenced so many times, indicated that 43% of adults didn't understand written health information above a sufficient level. This rose to 61% for health information that included both text and numbers. Number two, interactive health literacy. 
This relates to our ability to be actively involved in decisions about our health and care over time and in changing circumstances. And finally, critical health literacy. This is a really important one. This is our ability to critically analyse information, basically to make a well-reasoned judgment and use this to exert greater control over life events and situations. To make a well-reasoned judgment, we also need to have a certain amount of knowledge or information that you understand. Experience helps too. It needs to be based on something. Okay, so hold on to this idea. I also think assertiveness is an aspect. To have the confidence to have that discussion and make that decision about your or a loved one's health. Confidence is based on certainty. So again, if you have the knowledge, you're more likely to feel certain rather than unsure or wobbly. It's just like walking to an exam room, prepared or unprepared. I'm not saying that you need to be educated to the same level as a doctor, but enough knowledge to realise and explain what your health needs are and where you feel that you need support. For example, to request or question a further investigation, another diagnosis, a change of medication, even accessing the appropriate health services. Also, there's the knowledge for better health outcomes. For example, knowing the benefits of activity over inactivity. I've been speaking a lot about that over the um, earlier episodes. Better adherence to medical instructions well-reasoned, of course, and healthcare regimes. Making use of preventative and health promotion services, such as cancer screening. Confidence to realise that you're not beneath any authority, in quotation marks, for example, your GP or your dentist. You're totally allowed to question them and get answers to ensure that you're going to get the best possible health outcome. They need to know that it's your body, you've only got one and you need to know exactly how whatever your condition, asthma for example, is going to be treated. Not to be grim but no wonder when combined with issues in the health system it's been found that people with low health literacy compared with the general population are three times more likely to experience increased hospitalisation or death are more likely to have depression and struggle with managing their and their family's health problems and well-being. On top of that, they are at an increased risk of developing multiple health problems. I'll go further into this topic of public health literacy in another episode, but what I wanted to get across here is how much power and responsibility you actually possess over your own health. On to the other part of my journey. Alongside treating patients, I also started working as a clinical lecturer of acupuncture at a private college in the UK for undergraduates and medical professionals from different modalities like dentists, GPs and nurses. And guess what? Numerous concerns emerged. In comparison to my own training, I noticed certain areas of theoretical knowledge and their application to practice had been omitted from the curriculum. I'm not saying this is the case for all acupuncture courses. For example, 
there was an insufficient underpinning of conventional medicine, meaning students had difficulties in recognising red flags, necessitating referral to a specialist, or being aware of a pharmaceutical drug interaction with acupuncture treatment, and the big one, not having adequate knowledge of the underlying body structures that they were needling. Yikes, lung puncture anyone? I was obligated to continuously provide students with handouts and extra seminars in order to fill in the gaps in the curriculum to support their clinical training with patients. It's a shame because it's a sophisticated and effective medical model if taught and practised in the right way. Chinese medicine is over 3,000 years old, yet as I said earlier, it's still perky in being part of the primary healthcare system in China, serving its massive population. This was really concerning, considering that in the UK, although there are voluntary organisations, acupuncture is not yet statutory regulated, so it's not regulated by law. So there's that potential for an increased risk of malpractice occurring and going unnoticed. I know regulation differs around the world. I shuddered when I heard a final year student talking about setting up their private practice and charging £80 a go straight after graduation. In my pursuit to improve the overall situation that I was experiencing in my clinical practice, the public health literacy issue and as a teacher... I thought furthering my understanding into pedagogy, so that's teaching and learning, policy and practice would be the best way to go. So I did my master's and PhD both at University College London. I won't go into the details here, but it was through the research process where I explored the vast and varied landscape of medicine, from the traditional to the modern, the complementary to the conventional, and saw how in being paired with shifts in societal, technological and political trends, it is a really tricky and tiring affair to keep on top of. That actually pushed me over the hump to creating the overarching theme of my podcast, Bridging Medical Paradigms, where I want to help you navigate the landscape of medicine more efficiently and effectively so you're not taken for a ride, by whatever healthcare model or paradigm that you're engaging with, a GP, a homeopath, an optician, as well as information through social media, for example, and the latest health and fitness fads. And you feel empowered to mitigate unnecessary experiences, can look after yourself and loved ones, and try your best to keep out of the hospital bed, reduce that financial burden of illness, and spend more time enjoying and getting on with life. Life happens. All we can do is say that we tried our best. Okay, so thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.